Hello and welcome to the Friday, May 14th, 2021 edition of On Iowa Politics. This week, mission accomplished and GOP cancel culture. Hi, I'm James Lynch of the Cedar Rapids Gazette. With me today are Tom Barton of the Quad City Times. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, James. Amy Rivers of the Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, James. And Gazette Opinion Editor Todd Dorman. Good morning, Todd. Good morning. You can find us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to On Iowa Politics, wherever you find your podcast. First up, mission accomplished in a statement reminiscent of George W. Bush's premature mission accomplished comment in 2003, several years before the war in Iraq. Governor Kim Reynolds said this week, it's time to put COVID in the rearview mirror and live our lives more fully. She added, we've earned it, <laughs> which struck me funny. But <laughs> she said, there's no reason for us to continue to fear COVID-19 any longer. We know how to manage it. So three out of five uh, or three fifths of Iowa adults are vaccinated. And the Pfizer vaccine for teens is now available. But Todd, um, Iowa likely will record its 6,000th COVID death today. Is the scary part over? Well, you know, I think for a lot of us, it is, uh, you know, that we've got this the CDC guidance now that we can, if you're vaccinated, you can go and, you know, you don't have to wear a mask. If you're, even if you're in a, a crowded place or a grocery store, all these places we've been masking up, uh, it's no longer necessary if you're vaccinated. Now, of course, in Iowa and elsewhere, politicians have been resistant to having anyone provide proof that they're vaccinated. So that leaves a little bit of uncertainty. Uh, and, that's, and that's, you know, going to be where uh, vulnerable people are, are going to continue to be sort of in the scary zone because uh, if you've got, uh, you know, an immune deficiency or some sort of uh, medical condition that makes you more susceptible to bad outcomes from COVID, even if you're vaccinated, you're still going to be sort of wary of people who aren't vaccinated because it's, you know, the vaccine is not, while, while it's very good at keeping you from getting the virus and also keeping you from getting, you know, most people from getting very ill or having to be hospitalized for those folks, it's still a concern. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're still going to have kind of two, you know, tiers of folks where there are going to be those of us, you know, out, out and about doing our thing. And there's still going to be Iowans who are going to want to mask up. And I mean, my hope is that, you know, we don't have another, you know, that people people wearing masks aren't going to run into a bunch of jackasses that are, you know, making fun of them or harassing mm-hmm. them. Or We've seen that during the pandemic, even when a lot of people were wearing, wearing masks, and I hope we don't see any of that going forward. But, yeah, for most of us, it's, it's not nearly as scary as, you know, not nearly as scary as it was a year ago at this time. <laughs> That, that true. <laughs> yeah, there's a, that light at the end of the tunnel seems to be getting brighter. Um, Reynolds made these statements as part of her defense for ending the federal COVID-19 unemployment benefits, uh, $300 a week, uh, beginning June 12th. Uh, they had been scheduled to expire, I think it was in September. And she points to Iowa's 3.7% unemployment rate, slightly higher than it was in February of 2020, uh, and, and says that the uh, you know, for some people, it's uh, more lucrative to collect unemployment than go back to work. Um, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, Iowa had 61,000 people employed and 66,000 job openings in March. 
Um, and so Reynolds said that with business and schools reopening, uh, these payments are discouraging Iowans from returning to work. Never mind that I'm discouraged about returning to work every day. Uh, does she have a point, Amy? That uh, <laughs> um, you know, or as Democratic House Minority Leader Todd Pritchard said, is Reynolds quote insulted, making insulting assumptions about the work that work ethic of Iowans. It's easy for me to say. I think it's tough to tell. Yeah, I, I, I just think it's tough to tell. I don't think we've really seen anything on this scale um, or, you know, pandemic employment options ever. Um, you know, you've occasionally seen supplemental benefits, but whether it's been studied as, as to, you know, how many people, um, you know, went back to work and stuff, I really have a hard time finding any really real evidence. And and even the blogs that I've been reading, you know, that were actually talking about this issue were like, well, we'll just have to wait and see if she's, you know, right about that. Um, I think, though, there's the other issue of whether it's going to um, contract the economy is a, is a real worry. Um, obviously, if people have less money in their pockets, they're going to spend less, and that will contract an economy that that might be, a that's been studied. And so that's likely to happen, at least in the short term. Um, whether that does lead to um, people picking up jobs and then thus getting that money back and then spending it back in the economy and sort of buffering that is really the, the question that I haven't really been able to, to find a good, solid answer to. Democrats yesterday pointed to a, a study by the Federal Reserve Bank of Chicago uh, from, I think, 2020 that said that people who are on unemployment benefits search harder for a job than people once their benefits run out which almost seems counterintuitive, but uh, uh, yeah, that, that's what their research showed. And, and, and they were saying that, so it makes sense to continue the federal benefits. Um, and, and then, I mean, another argument is just that, you know, why, why turn down federal money uh, that's going into Ivan's pockets? Right. So that's a whole them. different argument, right? Yeah. But um, apparently yeah. turning down federal money is now becoming a thing. It's money for schools or, or money for unemployed Iowans, but uh, send it back. Uh, you know, this is I was actually of... interested. Maybe, maybe you know this, James. Is it is it that um, because I know that to pass the seatbelt laws everywhere, they they really the highway transportation system was really saying at the time we're going to give you this federal money if you pass that law. And I don't think did states turn that down? Were there states that turned that money down? Uh, I think initially there were some states that resisted. I think probably all of them have gone along with it. But uh, yeah, I mean, in that case, the, the federal government used that, you know, carrot. Uh, they, I think they did it with uh, yeah. OWI standards, too. And some of those things where they said, okay. you know, either mandate seatbelt use, you lower your uh, OWI standard to what is it, 0.8 and, uh, or 0.8, and, or you don't get this federal funding. Um the federal government yeah. hasn't done that with this pandemic funding and, and probably with good reason, uh, you know, hoping to make it less political. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, I mean, you know, it's the old he who has the gold rules. Um, and in this case, uh, unless guess, unless you have a, a fine, an maybe. incentive, a political incentive to turn it down. And that's what right. I'm wondering, if, if that's right. sort of a newer um Trend. Yeah, well, I mean, this is just one of the many things the governor's kind of checked off her list to, you know, walk along in lockstep with a lot of other red state governors that are also turning down this unemployment. And, uh, but, yeah. 
my question is in terms of the political, the politics of this. Yes, you you please the sort of the, the business community that supports the Republican Party politics, the employers. But if the Republicans are going to be the party of the working class, what about those folks who aren't ready to go back to work, you know, have concerns, health concerns, uh, COVID concerns, um, sort of the people who need that $300 a week, uh, whose job may not be back yet. Uh, so, I mean, it, it's, yeah, you're going to well, please your donors. If they haven't, I mean, with their track record over the last several years with getting rid of collective bargaining for state unions and and making it harder to get workers' compensation and all these other worker issues, if they haven't already shown people they're not the <laughs> party of the working class, I don't I don't know that this move is gonna. I think that's just another chip on the pile. Well, and it'll it, be it, interesting it's... because it leads into the election, right? So, like the the benefits are going to stop what June twelfth. You'll have that much time. You'll have a quarterly jobs report out by then. You'll be able to make, you know, inferences either way. And they probably will make them either way as to whether that actually works. It also seems to me that it complicates Republicans' problems with uh, attracting women voters um, because, you know, everything we see says that women have been impacted, especially uh, women with children who are not working because they have to provide uh, child care. And so which if they, rebounded the yeah, which is not rebounded. Uh, so if they lose that $300 a week, um, and can't get back to work, um, yeah, it, it gives them even less reason to, uh, uh, vote Republican come 2022. Well, in the child care bills that the house passed, I don't think the Senate took up, did they? They're in the big kitchen sink package that they're still talking about, uh, although, you know, Democrats say they, they're not enough to really solve the problem. But um, sure. the tax credits they put in there are in that big uh, grand bargain that we talked about last week. So it's still likely that they'll be approved. Um, but how fast that money. So. Uh, it, it, I mean, it seems clear from the governor's remarks that uh, she's putting a priority on reopening the economy that was never really closed. Um, she talked about the a new ranking uh, that shows Iowa is making the second fastest e- economic recovery among states, um, which uh, I suppose is a good thing uh, if, if we're not ignoring the, the risk involved in everybody going back to work uh, in a state where only you know, three-fifths of the population, adult population, is vaccinated. Hmm. Moving on to GOP cancel culture. This week we saw the U.S. House GOP cancel one of their own with their vote to oust Wyoming Representative Liz Liz Cheney as chairwoman of the House Republican Conference. That's the third highest ranking position uh, in among House Republicans. Tom, uh, does kicking Cheney to the curb put an exclamation point on the end of the GOP as we knew it, no longer the big tent party, but for the foreseeable future of the party of Donald Trump? Uh, I think the, excuse me, I think the vote by House Republicans seems to make uh, clear that a turn away from Trump uh, to be political suicide and that uh, the allegiance that many GOP voters have to the former president is so intense that 
party leadership feels the party can't succeed without him. Uh, as a result, I think you're seeing um, a Republican Party that is more isolationist and more populist, one that's far less focused on policy and more focused on personality. Uh, by doing so, though, I think the party ends up alienating independent suburban and women voters relying on a Trump base that's likely not big enough to help the party win back majorities in Congress. You know, the last time Trump was on the ballot, Republicans lost the White House, the House and the Senate. Um, however, you know, midterm elections generally go well for the party that's not in the White House. And there is traditionally a lower turnout than in the presidential election. And it seems clear from Cheney's ouster that Republicans believe an important element to animating the party's base going into the midterms um, is going to be former President Trump and whether he's supportive of their efforts and willing to help energize and motivate GOP voters. But I guess I'm not so sure that that will be a winning strategy for the Republican Party. Um, you know, I think Senate Minority Whip John Thune, um, who's up for re-election in 2020, is right when he says, if Republicans keep talking about 2020 and focusing on Trump, they're going to lose in, in, in uh, 2022, that the party needs to focus on the issues that the American people care about, jobs, immigration, infrastructure, drug pricing, child care, and, and not rehash the last election. Yeah, that never seems to be a winning strategy to go back and try to uh, relitigate the previous election. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting to me that we've seen two former Iowa Republican congressmen, Jim Leach and Jim Nussel, break from the party. Leach, I mean, uh, broke from Republicans back uh, uh, in the Obama-McCain election, um, and Nussel uh, bailed after January 6th. Is there a place for mainstream Trump-lost Republicans uh in the GOP, or uh, do they need a third party? Uh, somebody called it the sane Republican Party. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, I don't. There doesn't appear to be at present a place for you know the so-called Trump lost Republicans in in the new GOP. Um, however, uh, Reuters reported that there is a unlikely coalition of traditional Republicans, Independents, and Democrats about one third of the Wyoming voters that they interviewed who said that they would likely vote for Cheney in uh, 2022, um, kind of providing a floor of support that could keep her hopes alive for reelection. And I think that that's where the, you know, Trump lost Republicans will find support um, outside of the mainstream of the party, you know, courting disaffected traditional conservatives, um, independent suburban women and uh, moderate centrist Democrats um, in, uh, in, in red states. Um, and so there is reportedly a group of about more than 100 disgruntled prominent Republicans who've demanded that the Republican pottery, excuse me, Republican Party moderate its views or face the prospect of a third party challenge. But, you know, the American political system makes it very hard for third parties to succeed. Um, you know, at the same time, it wouldn't hold your breath for a more moderate GOP party in the era of Trump. But I think that talk of a third party may be kind of somewhat premature. You know, if Republicans end up losing in 2022, um, you know, then the Republican Party will have a reckoning on its hands. And if the mainstream of the party still refuses to turn away from Trump, then I think that's when you'll really start to see kind of some serious momentum and maybe a growing coalition mounting for a third party challenge. 
Amy, I haven't seen how either uh, representatives Marionette Miller Meeks or Randy Feenster voted on Cheney's retention. Uh, however, First District uh, Representative Ashley Hinson uh, not only supported the change, but she nominated Elise Stefanik as the new conference chairwoman. Um, and in a tele town hall meeting this week, she said she respects Cheney's conservative record. But if Republicans are divided and not focusing efforts on the radical policies of Speaker Pelosi, um, Democrats will remain in control. Um, she, she seems to be all in uh, on the change in leadership. Yeah, I mean, she's, you know, sorry, was that question for me? Sorry, yeah. <laughs> You know, she's she's always been really careful to um, not criticize Cheney, um, which is probably smart. I think, you know, Tom's right about um, that she's got, you know, decent reelection prospects. I think she doesn't want to, you know, necessarily rock the boat too far. She hasn't really seemed to be the type of um, representative yet that wants to sort of pick out people to in her own party to 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 go after. Um, and that, and that said, I think that she really is, she was asked about this on, on the call today, um, you know, whether, you know, Elise was the right person to sort of lead them. And if, if she was worried about that stifling moderate voices in the party, um, like her own. And, and she was very adamant that she didn't think that it was. Um, she, she was saying, you know, this is the party as it exists, as it needs to get through the House midterms in 2022. And I think that's, kind of where that that party has to be right now, you know, and that's really where McCarthy and Scully's have tried to whip up votes. So if Cheney is a divisive person in the party, if she's trying to, you know, hang on to her own power or if she's trying to hang on to her principles and there's an open question about that anyway, because let's not pretend Liz Cheney is this angel in the party, <laughs> that that it is, you know, important to really bring the party back together. Because otherwise, those midterm gains that you're expecting in 2022 could evaporate and and any little thing could then set off your party into its factions again and that's terrible news for any party you know you really need to ever get everybody together in 2022 and i think hinson's heard that message loud and clear and is on board with that mm -hmm. yeah one of the one of the more interesting comments during this whole discussion uh, about cheney versus the party uh came from senator joni ernst who said I feel it's okay to go ahead and express what you feel is right to express. And, you know, cancel culture is cancel culture, no matter how you look at it. Unfortunately, I think there are those that are trying to silence others in the party. Um, Todd, is, is Joni going wobbly on us or is she far enough away from her next reelection campaign that she doesn't have to kiss the ex-president's ring yeah, or well, anything she, else? She's sort of, doubly removed from the situation in that, you know, she does have a full term in the Senate and also she's in the Senate. So she wasn't required to actually make a vote on whether to keep Cheney or to, or to dump her. Although, as you pointed out with Miller Meeks and Feenstra, they voted and we still don't know what, <laughs> how they voted because they took a voice vote, which is always courageous. Uh, but, you know, yeah, I, I think she probably, to some extent, uh, maybe agrees with some of the sentiments that Cheney, uh, you know, Cheney has expressed. Although we really haven't heard Joni Ernst say anything, you know, along those lines about the election. She hasn't been 
strongly critical of, of the big lie or any of these other uh, yarns that they're kind of spinning, uh, the, you know, the, re, the uh, revised history of January 6th, that these guys were just tourists out for a stroll. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, I don't think she's going to wobbly. She just, you know, it, when given an opportunity to weigh in, she weighed in and, and you know, because she didn't have to make the decision that was was pretty easy. Yeah, I mean, that talking about January 6th as uh, uh, just another group of tourists sort of gives a whole new meaning to tourism. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, terrorism, tourism, I don't know, is that a... Yeah. Eco-tourism, uh, you know, food tourism, and now terrorism tourism. Yeah. <laughs> it's a whole new uh, business the package includes, uh, yeah. The package includes a gas mask and... <laughs> Something to break windows and yeah. a shield, a riot shield. And a hat with horns. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, You'll be paired well, with a, a QAnon shaman. <laughs> <laughs> well, finally now that the CDC has said we don't have to wear masks, what are you going to do with all the masks you've accumulated over the past 14, 15 months? I mean, Make beer koozies, uh, dust rags. Uh, what should we do with these things? Sew them together and make quilts? Save yes. them for flu season? <laughs> oh, there you go. Practical yes. time. Save them for flu season. I saw there was, wasn't there a congressman that made like a, a video yesterday of all the different things? He was doing oh, yeah. with his mask. He, he made like a bookmark and he walked <laughs> up the top of the stairs and like dabbed his head with it and put it around <laughs> it up here. So he had all these different, I'm just going to tuck mine somewhere, you know, no box or something and just put pandemic supplies on the box for the, for the next one. <laughs> Down there in the bomb shelter next to the saltines and yeah. canned water. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. I'm just going to say, consider it being prepped for the next one. Yep. Todd's a prepper. <laughs> <laughs> but they would look so cute as like hammocks for like birds or squirrels. You could just tie them into the trees and yeah, clotheslines. That's a good thing. Yeah. All right. Okay. Lots of uses. I, I just wonder how long until some museum or gallery has a mask retrospective, you know, the art of the mask, Ooh. you know, so. I'm, I'm sure well, if, you're in, we should save them. if you're in Congress, Nancy Pelosi's still enforcing the mask rule on the House floor as of oh, yeah. this morning. But the Senate, hey, I think, well, pay no attention to that science. <laughs> Joni and Susan Collins came off the elevator, didn't they, yesterday, and take off their masks and yell freedom, I think someone tweeted. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that was a historic moment. Yeah. <laughs> The shot heard around the world the day the mask mandate went away. The sneeze. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that's it for this edition of On Iowa Politics. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, tell a friend and subscribe to us wherever you find your podcast. Send fan mail to podcast at gazette.com. And you can find us on the homepage of the Quad City Times, Sioux City Journal, Muscatine, Mason City, Globe Gazette, Waterloo City Falls Courier, and the Cedar Rapids Gazette. New trick will take us out. If you know now a band or a musician who should be on our show, send us a sound file and subscribe to On Iowa Politics. 
For Tom, Amy, Todd, and our producer, Stephen, I'm James Thanks for listening. Stay well. She doesn't own a dress. Her hair is always a mess. If she catches stealing, she won't confess. She thinks that I'm beautiful. She smokes a pack a day. No way, that's me. But anyway, she don't care a thing about that. Hey, she thinks that I'm beautiful. Me, Virginia. She never compromises. She loves babies and surprises. Wear high heels when she exercises. Ain't that beautiful? Meet Virginia. I can't wait to meet Virginia. Alligators, mama works on carburetors, brother is a fine media for the president. Well, here she is again on the phone, just like we to be alone. We just like to sit at home and rip on the president. Meet Virginia. I can't wait to meet Virginia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Virginia, I can't wait to meet Virginia, yeah, yeah, yeah.